0: It's hard to believe December is finally upon us. And if you're anything like me, those seasonal cravings get even harder when it's darker, even earlier. You can satisfy those cravings in a healthy way with Organifi Gold Pumpkin Spice Blend. This delicious superfood tea supports rest and relaxation, a healthy immune response, and a healthy response to stress. Packed with 12 superfoods for rest and relaxation, including turmeric, ginger, and a lemon balm, it includes a sugar-free pumpkin spice flavor that is delicious. Organifi Gold Pumpkin Spice will help you curb those holiday cravings and give you the nutrition you actually need. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods for less than $3 a day. Go to www.organifi.com backslash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off your order. That's O R G A N I F com backslash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off any item. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Best of You podcast. I am grinning from ear to ear because I have a dear friend on the show with me today. Her name is Rowena. She goes by Ro. She is a friend that I met, I want to say, 10 years ago, which feels crazy because it does not seem like that long. At a spiritual listening community that we were both a part of. We're gonna get into that and talk more about that today. We've stayed in touch. She is that rare blend where we just connect on the deep and we connect on the light and we find the same things funny, which is such a rare, rare gift in a friend. We can go from 20,000 leagues under the sea to laughing beside ourselves. So I'm thrilled that she's on the podcast. We'll get more into Rowena's story today. Right now, she's primarily parenting four beautiful children. What are their ages, Rowena? They're eight, six, three, and one. So she's in the weeds of Mm -hmm. (laughs) parenting. You are in it. Holy ground every day. (laughs) Yes. And that's another thing that, you know, my kids are primarily out of the house now. They're 21 and 23, you know, so we're on the opposite ends of the parenting spectrum, which also Mm -hmm. makes it fun because we just bring a lot to each other. And you were also, the other interesting thing about Rowena is you were the eighth of nine children growing up. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yep. I don't think there's any birth order studies for families of that size. (laughs) Yeah. How many studies have we done on what it means to be the eighth children, right?
1: You know, Yeah. (laughs) I haven't haven't found that info out there yet. <laughs> but I've found it within myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. And as we've talked, you know, Rowena and I will just kind of talk. We'll use parts language. We'll use, we, we like to read a lot of the same stuff. We like to bring the spiritual component in. So I'm just super excited. I asked her to come on today to talk about peacekeeping parts, right? The parts of us that want to manage perceptions, that want to manage everything through peacekeeping. And I know there's so many of you listening who will relate to that where we feel like the best way we can manage how we show up in the world is to just stay really, really quiet, is just to kind of not use our voices and make sure everybody else is getting along. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but that's our main focus. And with that, I'm just thank you for being here, Rowena. I know this stirred up a lot inside of you to agree to be here. It
1: sure did. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. It feels sort of like A labor, a weird labor of like coming out my voice kind of having space. So it's, it's exciting. And it is just a powerful and nerve wracking opportunity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said when I asked Marina, because I just love talking to you so much. I wanted to talk to you on the podcast and and one of the things I love is you're not trying to forward yourself again to the point of the this whole episode. Right. And so I had to ask so many questions like, do you want to do that? You know, there was so many conflicting parts inside of you, which made me want you to come on even more because I just love how authentic you are and how honest you are about things. You're like, well parts of me do and parts of me do not. (laughs) Yes. I remember the
1: day you said you had some idea you wanted to talk to me about. And I was like, Oh, I'm had immediately felt those two different parts, the part that was like really curious. And then the other part that was like trying to speak up and, and make everybody else, you know, comply. That was like, whatever her idea is, let's just agree right here. And now that we're not going to do anything that puts us out there publicly. Like we don't do that that's not for us. (laughs) And all the other parts of me were about ready to be like, yep, definitely not terrible idea. Let's not do that. And I remember closing the fridge and then this hearing this other like little brave voice being like, let's just be open to this idea. Like, I think we're also curious about it. And so it's weird to talk about yourself in this we term. Yeah, but we talk to ourselves all day long. And so that's just a bit of my inner dialogue that was happening on that day. And so
0: Then when you told
1: me what the episode was going to be about, and it was about this very peacekeeping part that had tried to speak up and shut it down, I was even more intrigued because we would be talking about the very thing that I had been experiencing on the inside.
0: Yeah. Again, just a glimpse. That's what I love about Rowena. You're not a therapist. You haven't gone through the training, but you just have this self-awareness. You are, to me, the classic saying, you know, still waters run deep. You are so thoughtful with your words and you pay such attention to your inner life. So I want to start us off with how we met. And we first met at this Emmaus community. It's run by a group out of New England called Leadership Transformations Inc. I'll link to it in the show notes. I highly recommend these these communities. They're quarterly retreats for, you know, anybody, ministry leaders, pastors, counselors, anybody who's interested in just setting aside time to grow spiritually, really. And it's a specific way of Growing spiritually, that I just found so powerful and really changed even how I do my own work as a counselor. That's where we met. And you can sign up for one year. And again, it's four quarterly retreats, you know, and then you have reading to do in between each retreat. So it's a significant Mm -hmm. commitment. And we ended up both doing two years. You can do one year or two years. We did the full two years. And I found I needed the full two years. I was really discerning things in my life. And it was, I think it was retreat five. Where I got Mm -hmm. to some real clarity. And so I'm curious, Rowena, what what led you to sign up for Emmaus and to do that two years of really kind of focused spiritual listening?
1: Yeah, I found out about like a one-day women's retreat that was focused on silence and solitude and listening to yourself and to God. And I read the description. It was offered by LTI also. And I signed up for this one day thing. I was like that sounds really awesome. I want to I do that. And so I went and you could also sign up for an hour spiritual direction session as part of that retreat. And so I was a little bit nervous about that, but signed up, probably balled my way through the whole spiritual direction session with Diana. But it was just a very structured, yet very spacious way of listening to someone. And so it was deeply profound to have the attunement of someone else who was not giving advice, not interrupting, not telling parts of their own story or, you know, quoting Bible verses or whatever. It was just a very holy, sacred listening. And I'd never really experienced anything like that before. And it just made me really hungry for more. And so as we explored in Emmaus together, we did the Enneagram back in the early days before it was really a big thing. And kind of discovering that I I am a type seven, identify most as that. And so I'm hunger for things that are satisfying. And so I found spiritual direction to be something that was really satisfying. The ability to be heard, be seen, be known to another person, to myself and to God, all within one kind of sacred hour was just really powerful. And it really stirred up this desire in me to do more of that and to experience more of that, and then eventually to get training to be a spiritual director, which I'm going to start next spring. So I've been waiting for the right timing for all these years, and I'm really excited about accompanying other people and journeying alongside them as they attune to themselves and to God. I just think the inner world that we all have is so interesting and fascinating and so worth exploring. And yeah, as a type seven, I love to travel and experience things outwardly, but have realized, oh, there's so much traveling we can do inside
0: our own selves. I love it. So I want to have, if you you decide you'll come back, (laughs) I want to do a whole episode on this idea of spiritual listening, spiritual direction. We haven't talked about it yet on the podcast. So for those of you who are listening, spiritual direction is a beautiful way to get support. It's not therapy, but it is a structured way of, as you said, someone who's trained to listen to you as you also are inviting God to be part of that listening. So it's it's a guide. It's someone comment. I mean, we should all have it. You know, that that's my feeling. Yeah. It's it's just a beautiful, it's not new. It's actually sort of an ancient practice that has started to grow again. People are starting to talk about it more. It's just beautiful. And I love how you described it, Rowena, and this is what we then both ended up doing so in these quarterly retreats, the spiritual listening community You spend time listening to each other, just as you said. You know, each person has a sort of certain amount of time, it's structured. I could go off on a huge tangent on that. That's why I'm going to bookmark it and say, let's do another episode, just literally teaching people what that's about. Because for me, it was transformative, just as you said. You set a timer and you just kind of share what's been on your heart, what's been on your soul, what's been on your mind, what you're struggling with. And in the group situation, there's spiritual directions one-on-one, but the, the group listening, there's a group of five or six people that listen, and they don't try to fix you, and they don't give you advice, and they don't quote Bible verses at you. They What they do is maybe repeat back to you, I heard you say this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa. You know, it's that mirror. And I talk about the mirror of truth in The Best of You, and I think it's chapter four where... You know, we need those people that hold up that mirror so we can begin to see ourselves as God sees us. So I love how you just talked about that, and we've just continued to connect so much. I will say that it's supposed to be this very, like, there's a lot of solitude. There's a lot of quiet. You do all this spiritual listening. At the meals, that's where Rowena and I, we, we clicked on all that. But man, at the meals, we were just busting our guts laughing. And everybody loved that. I mean, I think we also brought a little levity when it was appropriate to do so. But uh, we connected on so many levels. And I so, so appreciated you there. All right. So I want to dive in a little bit because you talk about this peace keeping part of you. And I want to hear a little bit more about your story about when did you first learn to avoid conflict, right? When did you first learn that essentially, you know, you tell me, but it's like muting your voice, keeping your voice very, very small was the best way to stay safe. Hmm. Yeah.
1: So I think to look at that picture It requires stepping back even further and looking at a much bigger picture of like generations before me. And so my parents were both born in England and near the end of World War II. And, you know, a phrase that has come back in full force in recent years is the phrase keep calm and carry on. And that was a phrase that originated in 1939, just before the war, anticipating the dark days ahead. And it was postered in and put in places that were going to be targeted by German bombers. And it was to boost morale. And there were two and a half million of these posters displayed. And then a copy was discovered in 2000. And then it blew up after that, Mm -hmm. like an original copy of the poster was discovered in a bookshop. And then that's kind of when it kind of re came out. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about that phrase and how, you know, that probably was a very helpful thing in that time of of a significant trauma for mm-hmm. people in that time. And then how I just, I wonder if that message has sort of stayed in the bodies of all the people since then, this idea of keeping calm and carrying on and how that can be a really powerful thing. But if that's the only thing we're doing, and we're not able to pay attention to our anger or our grief or sadness or fear or disgust, any of these really hard emotions, if we're just always focusing on keeping calm and carrying on, then we are kind of not addressing other things. And so I don't think this phrase was ever spoken to me in my childhood, but I think somehow it lives on in like the collective of our society. I think as a society, we do not know how to be angry we are, mm-hmm. I think, very confused about what to do with anger. We, mm. we know cognitively that anger is not all bad, but I think, yeah, I've just wrestled a lot in my life. Well, what is, how does it, what does it look like to be angry? I'm so confused about this emotion. Mm-hmm. And we know that Jesus's anger led him. So anger can be dangerous. It can lead to harmful behavior, and it can also lead to justice because there are things we need to be outraged about you know, things like violence and greed and racism, abuse of power, Mm -hmm. sex trafficking, like just the list could go on forever Mm -hmm. of things that we need to be angry about. And so I think somehow, as I've kind of been unpacking, I think just in the society and in in the waters that we're in, it has not really been permissible for women, especially to feel anger. And I think we sort of push it aside or at least... I did, and I didn't know how to express it. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the knowledge. I just knew that I didn't like the feeling in my body when other people were angry. I didn't like the feeling in my own body when I was angry. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I learned maybe that my voice had the power sometimes to make people angry. And therefore, I did not feel comfortable with that power. I did not. It could elicit anger. And I... Want peace and harmony. like Those are really important things to me and joy. And so if my voice was sometimes the thing that was going to elicit anger, then I think subconsciously, I kept my voice out of the picture.
0: Yeah. I love that you just gave us the big brushstrokes, the, the big paint strokes. I do want to add, you grew up in... Canada. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, I'm I'm thinking, you know, you're younger than me, but my guess is your parents are probably, since you're the eighth of nine children, you know, our parents are of a similar generation. And I think mm-hmm. that generation, what we were raised in, that, that keep calm, carry on really does embody how we were raised. And it's not all bad. And I love how you're describing mm-hmm. it as there is a time and a place for that. And especially when you're going into, you know, we've got to just all keep calm, but when that permeates down to the detriment of, oh, actually we need to bring some hard things to the surface. This is the season now, you know that that there is a time for that, but then there's also a time to we need to bring some of the hard things to the surface so that we can honor and work through and and that means bringing up some conflict, bringing up some anger, bringing up some of these emotions that actually need to be healed. There's also a time for that. And I think you're yeah. making a really good point that that a lot of that message kind of filtered all the way down, yeah. Like, what do you do when you're angry? How do you keep calm and carry on then? As opposed to this idea of harmony or peace really being it's not about denying the hard things. It's about bringing things to the surface. And then, you know, when you think about harmony, I always think of the metaphor of a, an orchestra or a band where every part needs to be able to use its voice in the appropriate way, needs to be able to be played in Mm -hmm. harmony with the other instruments. But if the drums stop drumming or the flutes stop fluting or the trumpets stop trumpeting, you don't actually have the full picture of what you could have. At the same time, if everybody's just yelling and yammering and playing, you know, you have discord. But harmony is hard work is what I'm getting at. Harmony isn't just we're going to all just sit here and pretend like everything's fine. From family systems theory, the goal of a healthy family is harmony. But what people don't understand is that harmony is like that orchestra. It's making sure each one of those parts is playing its role and has its appropriate voice within the family. Mm -hmm. I am always looking for ways to save time and money while also maximizing health benefits. And that's why I am thrilled to have discovered Thrive Market. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and quickly shipped to my doorstep is just un beatable. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can easily use their on-site filters to get really specific about what matters to me. For example, I can filter out low sugar, non-dairy, gluten-free, any of those very specific dietary needs that anyone in your family might have. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save about 30% each. Each time, And best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join and they give a membership away. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash best of you for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash best of you. Thrivemarket.com best Best of you. So many home fragrance scents smell unnatural, super sweet, chemically, or maybe even like a part of the mall you can't wait to escape. And after learning that the candle industry contributes to an insurmountable amount of non-recyclable waste, carbon emissions, and toxicity in our air, I am so happy that Notes Candles exists. Notes Candles is on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option without giving up high-quality fragrance that actually seems amazing. I have been loving burning the Santol and Atlas Cedar scent. It's woodsy, calming, and smells so good. I can't get enough. I love it. And they have other amazing one-of-a-kind fragrances like oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, and pistachio and rose water. Every single one of them is exceptional. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notecandlescom best of you right now notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping. When you buy a notes starter kit using code best of you, just use code best of you when placing your order. That's code best of you at notescandle.com bestofyou best of you. I
1: benefited hugely from being, you know, one of the last of of so many kids and really looked up to my older siblings. And there's such a profound love that we all share for each other. But I think just in in being sort of one of the last ones and having so many of us, I spent maybe some of the time like just doing a lot of observing of what other people were saying and feeling like, well, I'm younger, like who am I to know what I'm talking about here? Like I think it's only natural that yeah. <laughs> if you're one of the younger kids and you've got lots of older ones that you will sort of defer to other people's opinions and defer your voice. And so a lot of it is kind of reclaiming, well, what do I think? Yeah. And what do I feel and what do I think? Yeah. And taking other people's voices into account, but not so much that I'm not listening to my own also.
0: It makes sense that you would get lost in the shuffle a little bit. I mean, you're a mother of four now and -hmm. you see, I'm sure, how hard it is to make sure each one of your children is kind of getting, you know, getting that attunement, getting that, uh, you know, you're, it's hard, right? I can't imagine yeah. doing it for nine people. I mean, I can't imagine. It's yeah. hard for each me with two.
1: <laughs> right. Each person mm-hmm. on their own has all their many parts. Yeah. And so you won't just have four kids. You have all the parts <laughs> within each That's child. Right. Yes. And then you have all the ways that those parts are interacting with the parts of the other kids. And yeah. you just like so much happening and it's wild and messy and beautiful
0: all at the same time. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's so true. When did you begin to become aware that for you staying quiet, not using your voice was sort of a conditioned response and that it wasn't necessarily the only way? And that maybe it was important to speak up.
1: Yeah. So I think I have really valued peace and harmony in my life and kind of want to create, like protect Mm -hmm. that. I don't want my body to feel so much discomfort that I'm outside my window of tolerance and Mm -hmm. that I can be assertive in many moments. But I think Mm -hmm. in moments when I fear that my very voice is the thing that is going to elicit anger Mm -hmm. that then this is where the peacekeeping part goes into overdrive. And so I've been on a huge journey recently, the past year, especially. Yeah, our family was involved in a faith community for many years. And there are lots of dear people and memories and things that we loved and enjoyed about being a part of it. And yet there was a growing feeling that something was not right. And our bodies began to feel it first and our minds kept trying to override the signals and say everything's fine like just keep the peace like have grace and yet our bodies just kept getting more and more uncomfortable and the signals kept getting stronger and stronger to the point where it was we couldn't really ignore it and so we we had no choice but to become curious about what we were feeling and so I realized like my body was saying in some ways, like, I don't feel like I have a voice here. I feel a bit stuck. I feel trapped. I feel powerless. I don't feel like I'm flourishing. This doesn't really feel like the way that it should be at church. And I was also getting ready to birth our fourth child. So I was going through these two kind of labors simultaneously. Uh, It was a really stressful time. And so we just, my husband and I just sort of together, started to gather puzzle pieces and kind of realize like in dysfunctional families, there's one person's emotional needs that are at the center. Mm -hmm. And this is the person who has the highest need for constant attention and praise. And you can feed into that all day long. And then anyone who wakes up to that reality and stops pouring into the center and maybe tries to gently bring some awareness, there's blame shifting that occurs. And the problem is deflected onto the people who are trying to say something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you become scapegoated. So it's a very challenging dynamic, (laughs) to say the least. So I would say that there was an incongruence that we witnessed between what the authority figure was presenting publicly and the lived experience that we had behind the scenes that didn't match. And so, yeah, you know, Jesus says, like, you wash the outside of the cup, but you're ignoring the inside. And that's kind of what we were We were seeing and experiencing like there's this carefully curated and crafted image. And yet we're not really seeing the love and the abundant life modeled. And we we also saw that there was an ongoing pattern of leaders who had gotten close proximity, being deeply wounded and leaving. And then we were became one of them. And so the incongruence was profoundly disorienting. And your article on the empathy trap was really powerful for us in understanding that loyalty and empathy can't run the show alone and that we also need courage. And so loyalty and submission and deference to religious leaders and authorities should not be given automatically simply because of their position and, and training. We need to be looking at the character and the fruit in people's lives and not just their words. And so the essence of Jesus is loving others well. And so love should be the primary measurement for how well things are going. Basically we realize we all have wounds and we need to tend to our own and take responsibility for them but if we don't they're going to be infected and they're going to leave a legacy of harm so we decided that we wanted to say yes to something else we wanted to say yes to a community where we felt like our voices would be heard where we could bring gentle correction from time to time if even though that's you know that's not we're not the type of people who are <laughs> constantly criticizing but if we don't have any space to bring ourselves then we yeah, we were feeling very stifled. And so we had to do the very thing that terrified me using my voice, knowing that it would elicit anger. And that was very scary for my body, (laughs) my nervous system.
0: Thank you for sharing. I know how hard this is. I think so many people can understand what you're describing, and I love how you said it in the context of again this family system, which is there's you know church is a family, and when somebody, especially somebody in authority, you know someone in power, Mm -hmm. so in a family it's a parent, in a church it's somebody on in leadership, a pastor, somebody in leadership is sucking all of the energy toward themselves. This is the powering over p right. Mm -hmm. They're controlling the narrative. They're controlling and silencing others as a result so you combine that with your own i don't speak up i am a peacekeeper right and oh that is hard and yet i think of the proverbs listening to you that says a gentle word breaks bone it's the gentleness mm. of i don't want to be the one to do this but i cannot not see what i'm seeing and so just i just want to kind of name those things like this was for you there was no interest or your husband. I mean, I know him too. You know, just gentle people all the way through. You know, we're witnessing this dynamic that is not healthy for us, not healthy for the community, and we've got to be the ones to use our voices here. And as you just said, sometimes, you know, you use your voice and it's like, "Oh, this is great. People are like, "Oh, we're so glad thank you." You know, like it was so great to hear from you. Thanks for sharing." It was not going to be that. It was not no, going to be that. that. <laughs> it was going to it was going to be the thing you feared and you knew it. It exactly. was going to be we don't want your voice here. This is going to create discord. This is going to, you knew that. So it was the very thing you feared the most. And I just, Mm -hmm. again, that word courage, right? That word courage to speak up just really speaks. Yeah, we know
1: that everyone has a true self. Yeah. Yeah, we really believe that. But we can all get lost from our poor true self that God has given us and wander away and be just caught in a lot of self-deception about who we really are. And so it requires like a lot of awareness of what are these protective parts of us that are so overactive, that are hiding something within us because of wounds. And yeah, we all have the responsibility to travel within and figure out what those wounds are and name them and kind of bring back the, the puzzle pieces within ourselves and kind of experience healing. But if if we're not and we're not a, we're not willing to listen when people are saying, "Hey, I think you're going off track here." It's scary.
0: Yeah, it is. It's that self awareness, and I love what you're saying. Again, you know, this list of seven P's. None of them, in and of themselves, are a problem if we are aware of them. Even that powering over one, even that one where that's the person that's taking control of the narrative and trying to be in charge and make sure they're they're the ones, you know, no one else has a voice. Well, that awareness of I am someone that can do that. I am someone that can kind of bully others. I am someone that can mm. kind of be that, you know, you can you can imagine raising a kid like that. And it's like, how do you it's that self-awareness, right? There's this is cliché, but you think about it a little bit sometimes it, in Enneagram terms, we need to do a whole episode on the Enneagram, but there's a type, the Enneagram 8, that is the power, you know, they want the power, right? Mm -hmm. We need powerful leaders. We need people who step up into the spotlight. That is not in and of itself a bad thing. But if there's not the self-awareness of the dark side of that, just as with any of these, it can get really toxic. It's hard to believe the end of the year is right around the corner, which means New Year's resolutions are too, like getting into healthy habits, reducing stress, and managing better sleep. So finish strong and enter the new year even stronger with the Abide, Sleep, and Pray meditation app. It's the number one Christian meditation app that helps you be your best and deepen your experience with the peace of Christ through biblical meditation. The practice of regular meditation has been proven to reduce stress and help you sleep better. It's a great way also to deepen your spiritual health. And with Abide's premium subscription services, you get early access to more content Ad-free meditation and an experience you can cater to your needs with background music, customization, a sleep timer, and even a journal, all to help your habits and health become routine. That is so important to everything we talk about on this podcast. Download the Abide app today and enter the new year with prayer meditations that improve sleep and spiritual growth. Right now, I have a special offer when you subscribe 25% 25% off your first year when you sign up for the premium subscription, but only if you text my promo code BEST OF YOU to 22433. Don't wait, download Abide, Sleep, and Pray Meditation today, and text my promo code BEST OF YOU to 22433 today to get 25% off. I've had to sort of
1: reclaim my understanding of power and authority Mm. and kind of get more comfortable with those terms and not see those as all bad. Like, not seeing anger as all bad, not seeing power as all bad, and reclaiming the good parts of those. Like, those are good things when they're used well. And so that has been healing in and of itself to Mm. sort of not view power as bad or anger Mm. as bad. So, Yeah, I think in terms of how we began to to grow and change, in Bravely Speaking Up, I was surprised at the journey that it would take me on inwardly, Mm -hmm. learning more about my own wounds and my own self. And it set, basically it set a fire to all these old habits and ways of being because I was using my voice, knowing that it would elicit anger. And so that that set a fire to unhealthy ways of relating to others in a good way, but in a very challenging and deeply uncomfortable way. So i I didn't know that the fawn response was a thing, and it has been eye opening to discover that that is like a response of the body to try to basically it's like a, a peacekeeping response. Like you're trying to keep the peace and just manage the situation by not eliciting people's anger and not being disruptive. And those are things that my type seven body does not want to do. I want to experience joy. <laughs> so it has been basically yeah, setting a fire to that fawn response to fearing anger and also realizing the disconnect between my mind and my body and realizing, oh, I, I have been just stuck in my head for a lot of my life and my body has so much wisdom to share with mm. me. And in the past, I think I would view anxiety or anger or rage or disgust, all of those things or fear and try to, you know, just get them far away from me. And now I feel like I've alchemized those emotions so much more. And mm. I can pay attention to my body and understand that it is trying to tell me something. Mm. <laughs> and if I can just get curious about it and listen that there are things that my body is trying to tell me to help me and so anxiety doesn't need to be something that i fear anymore mm-hmm. and anger doesn't be, need to be something that i fear these can be really powerful things if i can get curious about them and i think this is part of why internal family systems has been such a powerful tool mm-hmm. is because it helps distance yourself from these parts of you because they, when they take over it feels like it's all of you mm-hmm. and you feel like well i'm just i'm just Drowning in anger or drowning in anxiety, and really, right. when you realize, "Oh, this is one part of me," then you can like step back from it and differentiate from it a bit more. And that has been such a helpful tool. Peace and harmony and avoiding pain cannot be my primary guiding values. Mm-hmm. And if they are, then it's creating a false peace and harmony. And so, mm-hmm. having like peace and and harmony are good things, but they need to be also in tandem with courage and and listening to angry parts of ourselves and anxious parts yep. of ourselves and fearful parts of ourselves, and not just trying to sweep them under the rug or, you know, put them in a jail within us and say, you That's can't right. come out safe. And so I've really been learning to bless those parts of myself and say, oh, anger is, you've got good things to tell me. And I thought you were all bad. And so I had this moment where I felt like all my other parts were able to welcome anger back in Mm. and be like, we see you, we value you. You actually Mm. helped us in that situation. Mm. And now I know, especially from the work that you say, like that phrase, we speak on behalf of our anger, not from it. And that has been like the distinction that I've been trying to find for so long. Like I think journaling about anger has been a common theme or eight years of parenting. Cause I've been like, God, please show me how to be angry. Like, this is what kids do. They know how to press your triggers and <laughs> it's <laughs> yes. not their fault. It's like, that is a window into yeah. something within ourselves. Like, why is this a trigger for me? And yeah. so, yeah, I've been on that journey for so long. And so I feel like I've had some breakthrough moments where I've been able to recognize anger is good, and I can bless it and honor it, and I can steer it in a way that I'm not so afraid of it, that it's going to be destructive or take me over or hurt other people.
0: It's like a paradox. So the, the peacekeeper parts of us think anger is the enemy, avoid it at all costs because anger is conflict, anger is discord, anger is, you know, all the things that peacekeeping parts of us just cannot stand. And what I'm hearing you say, the paradox is, as you've made peace, with your own anger and even welcomed, right, and allowed anger a seat at the table, there is more peace, more actual peace, because we don't want to make peace. You know, you you gave a great list of things at the beginning about of all the things we should be angry about. We don't want to make peace with certain things. We don't want to make peace with, you know, these terrible things, atrocities that are going on in our world. We don't want to make peace with You know, toxic leadership. We don't want to make peace with, you know, and so we have to make peace with our own anger, which is our cue that something is awry. And it does kind of turn this idea of what is peace, you know, and even thinking about Jesus, I'm the prince of peace. And then you think about, yes, and if we look at the whole life of Jesus, there were some really hard things in it and there was anger in it and there was even some harsh words for folks in it. He didn't shy away from conflict at all. And yet he was a man of sorrows
1: and acquainted with grief. And he experienced anger. And he, you know, the shortest famous verse in the Bible Jesus wept, like he experienced intense grief. He had a panic attack in the Garden of Gethsemane and experienced intense anxiety like we have never experienced. And so Jesus shows us that he felt the full range of human emotion. And I'm really thankful for that. And I find that the Psalms have been a powerful way of connecting emotions and bringing them to God. And the Psalms are a way that I think God is just always trying to reveal to us that he keeps us safe, seen, soothed, and secure.
0: Yeah. Even when the circumstances of our life require us to enter into discomfort, that's the the paradox that That internally we can experience that experience of being seen, soothed, safe, and secure, even when we have to walk into a really hard situation that challenges us. And what I love about what you're doing here, Rowena, is like the event was I've got to speak up about something I'm seeing. It's really hard. I don't like it. You got yourself into a safer situation. You got yourself to where you needed to be. And then all of a sudden, guess what happens? You're the one that's growing. That's what these things do, these invitations to courage. And I, I just love how you're describing this process of kind of really having to examine a lot of ways that you've showed up in the world. So tell me a little bit more about some of those breakthrough moments.
1: Yeah, so one of the quotes that I love of Parker Palmer's, he says that the soul is like a wild animal. Mm. Tough, resilient, savvy, self sufficient, and yet exceedingly shy. Mm. If we want to see a wild animal, the last thing we should do is go crashing through the woods, shouting for the creature to come out. Mm. But if we are willing to walk quietly into the woods and sit silently for an hour or two at the base of a tree, the creature we are waiting for may well emerge. And out of the corner of an eye, we will catch a glimpse of the precious wildness we seek. And so I think this is the nature of human beings are the nature is that we want to hide. And we often think that God is the one hiding and we are the ones trying to find him when all along it's, we are hiding and he's out there in the open. And, you know, I think Henry Nowen is the one who, who says that beautifully in in a quote. Um, I'm sort of just paraphrasing it. And so I think, yeah, it was sort of doing that very, thing of sitting quietly in the woods with the wild animal that my soul is and kind of waiting for it to reveal parts of itself that were wanting to be seen and wanting to hide all at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think of Sue Monk Kidd in her book, When the Heart Waits, and she says, crises can be holy beginnings, a coming alive. So we get to take these inward journeys where we have these holy beginnings and we can travel inward and, and discover what what are the places within us that are wanting to hide and why and how can we draw them out and have experience greater healing and have well-ordered souls where we can be fully alive like it's such a travesty to live in this world and be hiding and feel like you're not fully alive and yeah. so while I can't I don't have the power to change outer circumstances That's not within my realm of responsibility. I have been surprised at how much ownership of things within me that I have needed to take and that healing can come by gathering sort of exiled parts of myself that have been scattered and kind of bringing them back together. Mm -hmm. And it's like this mysterious journey where God is at work and we are participating in the process somehow. And it's slow very, very slow. <laughs> um, and it is deep and lasting. And so one of my big breakthrough moments was when we were watching this episode of Blue Planet with the Kids and there was a section on these crabs and they are usually solitary creatures who oh yeah, gather together by the hundreds of thousands and they don't gather together to reproduce or to feed. They gather together to molt and it's because they've become too big for the exoskeletons that they're in and they need to climb out of those shells mm-hmm. and they're super vulnerable. They're soft, their limbs are all wonky, they can't move. So they're extremely vulnerable to the predator. So they gather together to kind of protect each other in these large numbers. And as I'm watching this with our kids, I'm is I'm really moved by it and I'm like, wow, like I feel like that is what has been happening to me. I have been kind of on this journey of climbing out of my own crab shell and expanding and leaving these old exoskeletons behind and just yeah, dying to old ways of being and birthing new ways of relating to people and being able to use my voice instead of keeping it silent and small and Mm -hmm. using the on response. And I've really loved reading so many of Sue Monk Kidd books and a lot of the themes in her novels are of women bending the ear to the longing in their soul and, and using their voice. And one of them has this beautiful prayer that's like, bless the largeness that is within me. Mm. And that prayer really stood out to me. And I think it probably does for every woman and every yeah. everybody that that sort of goes in hand in hand with this idea of us expanding and needing to come out of these, these exoskeletons that we're in and to leave them behind. It's awkward for a time and it's uncomfortable, but then we slowly can build new ways of being. And we probably undergo so many, or if we're paying attention, we can undergo lots of these molts in the course of our lifetime. And that is how we can grow closer
0: and closer to God and to who he has made us to be. That's beautiful. That metaphor you'd sent me of the crab shells was just so powerful because it is these protectors, even these peacemaking protectors that can feel like they're good, you know, they're good Christian parts of us. They're still protecting us. They still are that hard shell, right? And so when we come out of them and that vulnerability of being seen, of using our voices, it is that it captures that tenderness of that. And yet it is part of that process of leaving behind the old and moving into new ways of being truly safe, which isn't denying the hard things or keeping the hard things, just keep calm, carry on. You know, it's actually coming out and and acknowledging the dangers and being aware of the landmines and also knowing how to resource ourselves, get ourselves what we need. So I think, yeah, other breakthrough moments
1: occurred a lot while reading this Anglican devotional that I've been going through for a couple of years called Seeking God's Face. And it's just a beautiful way that it it sort of lays out short passages of Scripture. And this one in particular was very meaningful to me from Psalm 18. And it said, in my distress I called out to the Lord. I cried to my God for help from His temple. He heard my voice. My cry came before Him into His ears. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. And yeah, just so many, I could probably quote, So many of the Psalms that have been powerful, but that has been particularly meaningful to really believe and know that God hears my voice and that He wants it to come out of hiding. And then I was listening to the Messiah the other day, and there's this one stanza that was really sticking out to me also. It was like my ears perked up and it's basically saying, Get thee up into a high mountain, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. And it's just amazing when you know, things hit you in the way that you exactly need to hear it. And so, yeah, just by coming on this podcast, I feel like I'm practicing, this, <laughs> I'm practicing, lifting up my voice with strength and being not afraid. And it's, it feels really good to have all of these kind of puzzle pieces come together and feel like,
0: oh, I am coming out of hiding and I'm coming out
1: of my crab shell. <laughs>
0: I just, I want to kind of sit there for a second and play, play that clip, right? For all you who are listening right now that just needed to hear that, you know, lift up your voice, lift up your voice before the Lord and we need your voice. I have been blessed by your voice, uh, Rowena, which is why I wanted you to come on here because I know what a blessing your voice is. So thank you for that word. I am so grateful for just the encouragement to me and to so many. I want to ask you, being a mom of four, how do you notice this peacekeeping part help you? How do you need to set gentle boundaries with it at some time? It's, you know, how does this come into your parenting? Yeah, so this, this is what's also been really
1: redemptive in it and healing is that instead of seeing this peacekeeping part as all bad, I can recognize and bless the parts of it that have been good and that are trying to help me and I can assign it new productive, more productive roles for me. So I think the peacekeeping part of me has kept such a tight guard on my voice because it knows that there is value in what I have to say. And in my mind not, may not have always known that, but this protective part is trying to protect something because there is something of value in there. And so- I think that has been an important realization. And I don't want it to be on overdrive, but I want to bless and honor that it wants to keep me safe. It's the part of me that wants to help me think before I speak.
0: What you're saying is so interesting. I'd never thought about it that way, but it's actually protecting a treasure. Yeah. So it's not not trying to keep you silenced. It's actually almost saying your voice is powerful. Therefore, we have to be careful with it. Yeah, that's fascinating. And then because I have
1: feared power, Mm -hmm. then it has made me, you know, I don't know, you know, can I trust myself to use my voice in yeah. good oh. ways? I don't want to, you know, the tongue is a fire and mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be very destructive. Mm-hmm. But also our voice can be so tightly guarded, like a jailkeeper is in front of it. And so I'm trying to give this peacekeeping part of me a new role that it is the the guardian of my voice and the gatekeeper, like in a wise, shrewd way. Mm-hmm. And so it helps me think before I speak it helps me discern if it is wise to speak or if boundaries need to be set with action instead. So it's like bringing that that piece of the orchestra into harmony again and saying, you have a valuable role to play here. We got to change what, the music that you're playing, but mm-hmm. we're going to give you this new music and it's going to be much more beautiful if you can mm-hmm. take up this, this really helpful protective role. And if my core self can lead with, you know, all those beautiful C words of IFS, like courage, curiosity, compassion, confidence, creativity, clarity, calm, and connectedness. Like that is, if my true self can lead this peacekeeping part of me in that way, then I think that's where the real power is going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, I'm trying to break free from the shackles of other people's anger and uncomfortability and not actively trying to elicit it, but using my voice when it's necessary.
0: Yeah. And you you know, I think one of the things you touch on is when folks have a very strong bent toward peacekeeping, what can happen is when we do use our voices, we have to get so far down the anger spectrum that it does come out. It can, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Come out angrily. Yeah. It can come out because it's like we suppress, 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 and then it gushes out. And so with those of you who see yourself as peacekeepers, it's that Learning that nuanced voice of anger that kind of you, you talked about it earlier, speaking on behalf of it, I am feeling. And if we don't name that and if we don't give ourselves permission to feel that and speak on behalf of that anger, it will come out too big. Because we kind of flip into fight, you know, fight mode once we are just done. And especially when we're with our safe people, which often are our kids and our families, you know, so, you know, because we know they're not going to leave us. Right. And that's just human. Mm. And so, I mean, that's just that's visceral. That's primal. That's not a, a conscious choice. It's just, well, if I lose it here, I know that, you know, and so learning, you know, again, taking it back to that theme of what you've been saying, we have to sort of make peace with anger, make peace with the things that we're feeling so that we can speak on behalf of those from that calm place inside versus that activated place inside. Yeah. And I think I will also want to speak
1: to sort of the double bind that culture sort of puts women into of mm-hmm. if you use your voice, then you know, you're either too sensitive or you're too mm-hmm. assertive. Mm-hmm. And so then it it sort of I feel like I've experienced that. And so it's left me with like, well, how do I use my voice then? Because Mm -hmm. I don't like being blamed of either perspective, of being overly sensitive or overly assertive. And so it's breaking free from that double bind and owning my voice and knowing what it is saying deep in my gut. And then once the blockages are gone, it can freely wind its way like out of my gut where I know that it lives and through my lips and from my tongue and into the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's that reconnecting with my body too mm-hmm. that is part of it. Like actively feeling okay this I feel like my my voice lives in my gut mm-hmm. and it wants to come out of my lips and <laughs> sort of reconnecting like all of these parts mm-hmm. um, inwardly and the mind to the body has been really
0: powerful for me. That's beautiful. Marina, that's just beautiful. I love, uh, you know, I've been privy to a lot of this journey as your friend and and just to hear you articulate it, it just is so powerful and so beautiful. I want to ask you, what would you say to that young little girl, you know, eighth of nine children, you know, just in light of everything you've been learning, especially these last few years, you know, what would you want to say to her now? I think I would say,
1: you know, you are not responsible for other people's anger and I would break that connection. Mm -hmm. between the use of the voice and anger and I would say allow room for your own anger don't silence it and be curious about it and don't let it come out sideways either but speak on behalf of it I would say trust trust your voice and stay connected to your body those would be the the main things that I do tell my younger selves.
0: (laughs) And what would you say to other women who are listening right now who struggle with using their voice? Yeah, I would say get
1: curious about what blockages are in the way, because once you can remove the blockages, then Mm. it can flow again and it can come out. And so it's, yeah, get curious about what are these protective parts trying to, in what ways are being overly protective and why, and then take that journey inward to listen to all of your parts and do this with support and befriend painful emotions like anger and fear and anxiety all those things and realize that your body is trying to send you good messages. If you would like get curious and and have compassion for yourself as you do it and then honor and bless those parts of you and realize like the ways that they are trying to help and to not see them as all bad. And I think that that can really set free a lot of things. And then I would, I would say like, once you go through all that work then yeah, lift up your voice with strength, Mm -hmm. lift it up and be not afraid.
0: That's beautiful. Rowena, thank you so much. As I close every episode, I ask all of my guests, what or who is bringing out the best of you right now?
1: Yeah. So I think that I I would ha- kind of have to go through all, all four of my kids it, just briefly, but our one-year-old, I think we have so much to learn from babies. We just think that we need to teach them so many things, but they have so much to teach us. And so yeah, our one-year-old is just such a joy and delight. And he doesn't contribute, like he mm-hmm. contributes zero productivity to our household, but he just a <laughs> delight because he exists. That's awesome. so I feel like this, like God mm-hmm. is always reminding me of that. Like, this is how I see you. Like you mm-hmm. are a delight, you know, just by exist, just by being, and I don't expect you to produce and perform and, you know, do all these things. Like babies are uninhibited from all of these ways of being that we've adopted as older people. And so they're just beautiful to witness, like the presence that they have Mm -hmm. and the joy. And they're like our one-year-old right now is going through all of these like language acquisition. And so he's just babbling and he's so uninhibited with his voice that it's just really beautiful. It's like, kind of inspiring to me That's like cool. you don't care yeah. that you're just you know saying hibbledy-jibbledy yeah, <laughs> um, words right now so I love that and then our 3 year old you know we're in a in a really I feel like this is really holy ground because he really knows how to let his anger flow and so he's been teaching me a lot and he'll just, you know, be able to name like I'm so angry. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, you just know how to name it. Like, yeah, like this is it just feels like a very tender spot where I'm mm. really trying to be a wise parent and not shut it down but try to help him have a healthy outlet for it. Mm-hmm. And it is very challenging to, but I think this inner work that I'm doing in myself hopefully is going to translate to that over time. It feels like I'm sort of that wobbly crab at Mm. the moment with that, but I'm hopeful that I can nourish his anger in in healthy ways, if that makes sense. And then our our six-year-old is just so curious and always inspires me with just his curiosity about the world and Mm. his playfulness. And then our eight-year-old daughter right now seems to really lack this peacekeeping to please and fawn part (laughs) and so I've just been like oh cool like yeah trying to bless that part of her that is really strong and Mm. speaks her mind and also she has like a huge laugh and is super silly and so she just Mm. brings a lot of hilarity to our household and then I have to say for my husband too like he is just such a safe person and accepts all big emotions. And I can say to him like, I felt angry when you did such and such and he can listen and not be defensive and we can have regular rupture and repair cycles. And there's just a lot of mutual trust and respect with him. And I just am really thankful for, for who he is.
0: I love it. I love how you flipped that to what you are learning from each of your kids. That's, Mm -hmm. that's beautiful perspective there that the things that could also drive us crazy, about our kids are the very things that we probably need to learn. And I think that's just incredible perspective. What needs and desires are you working to protect? So I think beauty is something that
1: I am working to protect, whether it's creating pottery or listening to beautiful music or singing and dancing in my kitchen. Just, yeah, noticing I've had, because there's been so much happening inwardly, I've really been needing to look at open space. And so I've just found myself being so much more attentive to what the sky is each day mm-hmm. and noticing the clouds and really looking at it because it's it's just like the open space. I can't get to the ocean as much as I would like. So the sky is an incredible open, vast, like expanse that really kind of helps kind of settle my nervous system too. And then, yeah, reading, I just have been really interested in reading lots of different books and that has been just something that I want to hear other people's perspectives and take them in and just kind of like turn things over and think through things. And so John and I went on a date last night and we heard this song playing in the restaurant that was from our high school days and it was a natasha beddingfield song the song unwritten and the words oh, yeah. were speaking out to me it was like my ears perked up and it was so she has these words that are release your inhibitions feel the rain on your skin no one else can feel it for you only you can let it in no one else no one else can speak the words on your lips drench yourself in words unspoken live your life with arms wide open today is where your book begins the rest is still unwritten and i hadn't heard that song in decades and it just came back and so the next morning i'm driving our kids to school we've got six car seats in the back and i'm blasting this song and singing and dancing in the car and get to this red light and I look over and there's this bus stop filled with people. And this one guy is just looking at me and laughing. <laughs> and so instead of breaking eye contact, I just kept looking at him and I kept singing and dancing and he kind of started to move too.
0: That's amazing, <laughs> I it was, love it. That's so funny, it just really made my day. I love it, that is, <laughs> that's, I love it. That is a perfect image. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for your time today, just for all of your wisdom and your nuggets. And I just couldn't be more grateful for all that you had to share with us today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Allison.
1: You've been such an important part of my journey.
0: Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Best of You. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources and links mentioned in the show. You can find those on my website at drallisoncook.com. That's Allison with one L, cook.com. Before you forget, I hope you'll follow the show now so that you don't miss an episode. And I'd love it if you'd go ahead and leave a review. It helps so much to get the word out. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, You honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.